Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project. We're a charity that helps people face the end of their lives through write and record their own original songs. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can check out our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. You can also follow us on the various social media channels that will be linked in the description to this podcast. This podcast features songwriters and we'll talk about one of their songs, remember how they wrote it. They show us a songwriting tip and we'll also talk about a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. This episode features George Riley, and hope you enjoy it. Okay, today I'm here with George Riley. Thanks for joining me, George. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you. Uh, people have seen these podcasts before, listened to them before. We do them in three parts. We have section one, uh, we're going to put in my guest songs, and we're going to talk a little bit about how they wrote that. Then section two, George is going to share with us a songwriting tip. And then section three, we're going to talk about songs meaningful to George in some way relating to bereavement. So uh, I'll hand you over now and ask you to introduce your song for us, please, George. Thank you. So this is Married to the Mob by the band that I played in for a long time called The Reach Arounds. This is off our second album, Guitar Mageddon. And this is Married to the Mob.
Okay, brilliant. So that was Married to the Mob by The Reach Arounds. Uh, what can you tell us about writing that one then, George? Well, uh, I was watching a lot of The Sopranos at the time. <laughs> I just finished The Sopranos for the first time. I watched it during lockdown. And, oh, it's amazing. It lived it's up great, to the hype. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's great. I was watching it, I think, I don't even know if it was the first time I was working my way through it, but I was watching The Sopranos. I had, a, I had the kind of bare bones of a tune, but I felt like I'd kind of written the same tune before. So I didn't want to write just another version of the same kind of tune. So I thought I'd try and write, I'd never really successfully written a kind of story tune, I don't think. Mm -hmm. And I'd been lis listening to a lot of Warren Zevon as well, who is a favorite of mine. That's very good at writing very cinemagraphic songs, kind of very much put you in a time and a place. So I had a go at doing that kind of thing. And I was also, I was also going to get married fairly soon. And I think a few anxieties about getting married <laughs> also crept in there somewhere. And that's about it really. And it was one that came together fairly quickly once we played it with the band. Everyone seemed to like it and it came together very quickly without too much scratching our heads or wondering if it was a good one or not, which is always quite a good sign. Yeah. And it's one that we always play live. And it's one that people often ask if it's a cover version or not, which again, it's normally a good sign. Yeah. I always so, think it's interesting when you have a lot of songs with the band and then like certain songs that you, like you say just always get played. We find that and sometimes it's like you have a song, we think like, well, this is going to be a good one, but then you just forget about it at gigs so, and the vice versa songs that and I think there's something special in that of like which songs come to you naturally when you're playing and what you want to play all the time. I think there's something all of, there's definitely something weird about it with songwriting and you know, whether the kind of hocus pocus of it, but there's definitely something to be said I've experienced. The ones that have definitely been inspired by something real and a genuine kind of thing, not just I better write a song or whatever, mm. often tend they might need a quite a bit of hard work to do them, but it's almost enjoyable, the hard work, because you know that somehow it's going to be good. You're not uncertain about it. You know if you put the work in, it's going to be good. And they're often the ones that everyone else likes as well. The ones that were inspired by something genuine often seem to be the ones that translate, even if it's kind of disguised by other stuff along the way, often seem to be the ones that people react best to as well. Mm. So. I don't know. It's just trying to be inspired often enough like that. Yeah. It's a bit, I guess. Yeah. Searching for genuine inspiration uh, yeah. rather than manufacturing it in a way. Um, I was interested in you said uh, that you had, you had, you had a bit of the song and, but you felt that you were writing a similar song to you before. Was that that you had the tune and the, and stuff for I it? And had, then you... Yeah. I kind of had some of the chords and the melody. And fortunately from experience before, I've got attached to something and I found it very hard to change it. Mm. If you don't change it, if you don't, if I don't say straight away, that's no good. Get rid of it immediately. Then you kind of, I always attach it and then I find it really hard to change it. Yeah. So fortunately I've very quickly in the process said, this is no good. I've kind of written this kind of thing before. So very quickly changed the lyric, the lyrical idea to something else. And I remember sitting there with the guitar and, I was literally sitting in front of the TV watching The Sopranos playing, which I quite like doing that kind of 
full input, have the TV on, have YouTube on, have some tunes on, and just sometimes bombard yourself with input and see if mm. you get any output. Sometimes works. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just seem to work all right. Yeah. And how did you find writing? What what kind of what kind of you know, how would you describe your writing up to that point? Say so that was one of the first like real narratives and setting a scene in a different kind of environment. Is it? Um, how was that different from your previous writing style? Well, I'd kind of tried to write story songs before, but I don't think they were ever very successful because I think they were maybe too, I don't know, maybe just lacking confidence of being prepared to do something. Because obviously I'm not married to the mob. <laughs> and my wife isn't running a, you know, a mafia style family. And, <laughs> and the things that happen in the tune, it's kind of, they so obviously never happened. But then, I don't know, it's like when you listen to Warren Zevon or Bob Dylan or anyone, when they're writing a song, he, you know that they didn't do some of the things that they're saying, but somehow it's more, it's believable somehow. Yeah, there's like and, some deeper truth in what they're, what they're saying, even if it's not yeah. literally true. And before, I think I'd always, I'd never really written a, so, a story successfully. It was just more... I don't know how, what, how, what you call it. And I was always maybe a little scared of being too obviously honest and obviously lyrics about me or what I was feeling necessarily. So I was kind of, you kind of describe, disguise them a little bit and make them a little more cryptic mm. just so you weren't laying yourself bare quite so much. Because the kind of music we do, you, you know, you can hear the lyrics most of the time. So it's always a bit embarrassing if someone says, what's, what do you, you know, what does that mean? And you think, well, I'm not sure if you want to tell someone or not. So I don't know, it was quite liberating to just tell a story that was obviously not your life and what you were doing, but then somehow maybe a little bit sprinkled in there yeah. one way or another. And yeah. I was just quite pleased. I had been listening to a lot of Warren Zevon. I don't know if you're familiar with a lot of his stuff, but not a lot of it. I've heard a few tracks that I really like. He's one of the artists I always think, you know, I'll have a time where I'll get much more into him. Yeah, there's a lot to get into. There's a lot to enjoy. If it took me a while to get into him, but once you do, and if you do get into him, there's really a lot to get into. He's done loads and loads of albums. He's dead mm. now. He did loads and loads of albums. And his kind of big hit, uh, Wells of London, was kind of the big hit that he did. But then so many great tunes. And he kind of swims in the same waters as springsteen or tom petty or jackson brown but somehow so much less obvious than all of them and just sharper somehow mm. and i get why i wasn't more successful but then kind of like the less successful but better version of those people almost yeah and i'm yeah. quite pleased i would I, i'd gladly say that i was inspired by him on that tune and i like to think that he would you know not say it was awful I'm not saying he would say it was good, but you know, yeah, we'll never know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm quite listening to more of his stuff. Is that a way of a uh, style of writing that you've done more of since? Uh, yes, with one other tune as well that was on the same album that again I think turned out I was quite pleased with the way it turned out, and it's another one that we always play. And it was, again, it was the same thing. I started writing it and it was very, it was, it could have ended up being similar to something else. So it ended up being 
about gambling, which I've never been much of a gambler or had a problem with gambling or anything. Maybe not, uh, you know, in the conventional sense of gambling, I guess. But then I just kind of wrote a song about gambling for some reason. It was very evident. It was gambling seems to become quite a big thing in the last few years, a lot more mainstream. And again, that's the kind of story about a gambler that doesn't end so well for him. And yeah, those, so I've done it twice, I think. I think I've tried it again and then given up because if it's not good, then it's not good. If it's not a good story, then. So you've got to find the right story, story haven't you? Yeah. The right characters. Is that the way when, you, when you're writing them? Once, do, you have, do you have characters in mind and do you have like, you know what the, the plot points are going to be? I think selfishly, I still see if I, if I imagine it like a music video, if you think, well, if we had, you know, a couple of million to spend on a music video like in the <laughs> 80s or whatever, then I think who would play, I, I'm still a guy in the, like, I still see myself as the guy in the video, but then I think, no, someone else should probably do it. But then, I don't know, it's still closely enough related to me, I guess. Mm. I always like the, um, I think ZZ Top did a few videos where like, you know, there's like a storyline going on and they're in the background playing. <laughs> yeah. That's where I think I used to picture, I used to write a lot of story songs um, and that was where I always pictured that any videos would be characters doing stuff, but the band would just be in the background. <laughs> yeah. And that'd be great as well. If you were filming a video, you'd just have to turn up for just, you know, a couple of shots, I guess, of just you playing in the, in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Doing something that you're kind of used to doing. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't want to like, have to act and do something not that there's any danger of us making a video anytime soon although if you saw my skills on final cut pro you know that's impressive yeah i couldn't even work out rossi's not a left-handed guitarist i couldn't even work out how to flip <laughs> his guitar so it just looks like he's a lefty yeah i wouldn't have to do that either tricky business but yeah it's a cool video it's good how do you find writing with the band do you um do you write the the lyrics in basic tune or these collaborate on different parts of it? I think there's a couple of ways that the, the tunes, because Davro writes quite a lot of the tunes with the band now as well that he didn't used to. So mm. he writes a lot of really good tunes. But the ones that I'm kind of singing, they're either ones that I've written on a guitar and present to the band in a very kind of loose form. I try and keep it, keep it very loose these days because a few times I've written something and I've kind of done a demo just to help me write it. But then I've found it's very difficult to get away from the demo then. And if I put a drum machine and some guitars on, it's, it's hard for the band to get away from very, what you're hearing if it's that mm. complete. And it shouldn't, as we're a band, the drum, you know, I don't want Dave to play what the drum machine is playing he should have his input in it, especially if he's got to record it, he's got to play it. And likewise with, with guitars, it's, if I put some really basic guitars on, I wouldn't want two great guitarists to have to play those, but it can be hard to get your own thing in. So I do, sometimes I do a demo now, but then don't, that just to help me write it and then don't play the demo to anyone else, just play mm. it very basic so people can then do what they want with it. Like yeah. fill, in the, fill in the gaps. Or some other tunes that have turned out pretty well have just been the band jamming and we just kind of piece some music together and then I write something over the top. 
which works sometimes works really well and sometimes can be a bit difficult to kind of shoehorn something into onto some music but mm. if it works well and it works if it's so two ways really with my stuff yeah i was gonna ask you then um when you're talking about you know when you get stuck in a way with a song it's this as well where like once it can be very difficult to change your own ideas on something once you've kind of had a go at something but like so you've got your own studio as well haven't you and you record yeah. other acts so i'm assuming in that it's very easy for you to make suggestions for people of how they can alter things if needed. i like doing that i've all i like being able to do that with people and i my fav one of my favorite bits of like the production of the song it's like my favorite bit of the writing of the song is the first bit when you know you've got something good yeah. and you think i think this is quite good and then if you come back to it and you think well i still think this is quite good that's quite a good sign it doesn't make you cringe the next time and you know if you can live with it for a bit and you still think it's all right and then there's often a bit of hard work that's never necessarily the fun bit mm. you've just got to knuckle down and finish writing it which is sometimes depending i don't find it particularly easy to write lyrics so it's quite laborious sometimes but you still you know that it's all right so you've got to finish it and that's the kind of so the initial fun bit and then the next fun bit kind of comes when you know you've got a good tune and it's how to arrange it with the band and you can have some fun with kind of changing bits around moving this bit here and there and trying to make it kind of make deliver the good song as best as you possibly can which i enjoy doing with other artists as well but it's difficult if you don't know it's the the bit that's hard i think is you have to very quickly earn someone's trust and get comfortable with people enough mm -hmm. for, to say i think you could try doing this with your song i yeah. think it should think i think your song's great but i want to change it, <laughs> it can be a you know i would find it difficult if someone were to say it to me so just you know you'd have to trust someone and you'd have to just try it i guess you have to just say what can we try this but then of course everyone has to try it willingly because often someone can say well we can try it and it's like there it doesn't work you didn't want it to work you know yeah but it's just getting people's trust and trying things out without trying to waste anyone's time and with no ego because that's the thing if anyone you know as long as everyone's aware that any idea that anyone has is not self-serving it's solely to make the song the best it can possibly be because I didn't, until I kind of got into production and read, and you read up about things, you've got no idea when you listen to a song that you like, even who was doing what on it. You know, the Stones tunes that I love, that you read, oh, it's not even Charlie Watts on the drums. You think, oh, I never knew that. But, you know, it's just still a great Stones tune. You don't, you know, whatever yeah. kind of, whatever works. You say, oh, I didn't even realize that the bass player wasn't there and it's someone else playing bass. You still like the tune you don't know you don't know what goes on really do you so whatever whatever gets the song as best it can possibly be yeah yeah and you're right that relationship between producer and artist is so important isn't it it's uh to yeah allow people to bring out the best in them and everyone work together for the greater good of the song i was and just thinking of the, thinking about the um yeah to that difficulty of and it's that thing yeah let's see you've clearly got the skill set to um make these changes to songs but how hard it is to do it to yourself because um, i find the same thing with my own i can get really stuck in a way like i know this isn't right 
but just really struggling to change it. Whereas someone else says, oh, how about you do this? And, and maybe it is that kind of attachment to it and that kind of the personal feel to it. Um, yeah. It's just a weird, I find it a very strange thing. I've never found that thing as well that you hear people saying that, oh, well, I had this bit of a tune and then years later I managed to write it. I've never been able to kind of come back to something and finish it, yeah. I don't think. Like have something that I still kind of like, but then ages later, or play something with the band and it doesn't quite work, and then you play it a lot later and some, and it does. I've never really had that. I've always kind of, if it's really not working, then I've found it hard to come keep slogging away at something too much. If it's not working, sometimes I just think it's just try and write something else, move on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've had similar things where sometimes we'll be slugging away at something and it's just the fact it's going anywhere. And sometimes we'll forget about something for ages and then one day we'll just be like, Oh, remember that? What's, what's that? How that go? Like, and then it comes back, and it's like, oh, this is it. And it's like, and it almost like it feels like sometimes it's like you, it feels like you've almost got a song, but something's just not right about it. And then you can yeah. kind of beat your head against it for ages and not crack it. And sometimes it seems to be like, well, we'll just put that over there, and then we'll come back to it. And then a while later, there's just something that clicks with it. Yeah, it's, it's a mystery every time, isn't it? <laughs> it is, and everyone's got to be up for it, you know, as well. If someone, if you can tell someone's just not really feeling the tune, yeah, then. If I was really not feeling a tune, you'd like to think that you'd persevere and be like, no, okay, I'll keep giving it my best, hoping that we get somewhere. But it's tough if someone's really not feeling it, you're like, oh, don't really want to put them through playing it, playing yeah. my song, especially if you're not even convinced that it's a goer anyway. Yeah, definitely. How long, how long have you guys been together now? Uh, 10 years. 10 years, wow. We were going to do a 10-year anniversary gig this summer, but it obviously it's been... Oh, man. So it'll be our 11-year anniversary maybe next summer when we do it. Yeah, nice. Good stuff. All right, well, let's move into section two, shall we? This is where I ask my guest to share with us a, a songwriting tip. So uh, what would your tip for us be, Josh? My songwriting tip would be um, write more than you think you'll need to use. Um, because when you're in the zone, if some people I know are lucky enough to just kind of write all the lyrics at once and they get an idea and just write everything down, which I think I've only managed to do once, a lot of the time I've got to knuckle down and slog through some lyrics and find it quite laborious, end up ditching quite a lot of stuff. But I've always been very thankful to myself when, because you never quite know sometimes if you're going to present a song to a band or you're going to record it what might happen when you start arranging the tune. Mm. So I think it's worth, if you can, if you've only got three verses, maybe write a fourth or a fifth verse, write some alternate lyrics for the chorus, write another middle eight maybe, or something that could be used as a coda, because it's happened more than once with songs I've written and songs I've worked on in the studio with people, is that the arrangement, you might think you know the arrangement of the song, but then when you play it together and you're recording it, something happens and you change something you might have a breakdown chorus that you just don't want the same lyrics as the other choruses on or an extra verse that's half verse half solo whatever it might be it's a lot easier if you've got lyrics spare ready to go than to try and get yourself back into the mindset i've always found it easier anyway some people might easily be able to revisit how they felt or whatever and write some more lyrics but I've always found it easier if you have something ready to go, spare, yeah, rather than have to try and get back to how you felt and write some extra bits, particularly if 
you might be about to do a vocal and if studio time is a you know pressing concern you might not have time to um and ah and ponder something too much it's great if you just say oh i've got a spare chorus let's do this so that's my yeah. quite practical tip yeah that's a really good one makes a lot of sense and um it's something i remember thinking like i guess i don't do all the time but when i'm when i'm aware of it i try and do it is like you write when you're writing lyrics do you normally have like you know a rough tune you're writing to or a rough length of lyric or rhyme scheme that you're writing to so what i i tend to get into that pretty quickly like this is right my verses are going to be this amount of lines so, you know roughly this kind of meter but then um like what we're talking about there is if there's other ideas that i've not i can't write into the existing structure i've got to try and just make sure i write them down in whatever way they come out because then it might be that like yeah you might add a new section well actually this line is going to be longer and isn't going to rhyme in any way or then if, or if you come up with another part where the music the tune's slightly different you might just take out some of the content and that's like oh that line it's not quite right but we'll take that part of it and do it over here so trying to not worry about the set structure all the time when you especially when you're writing that additional stuff yeah because you might not even there's no point torturing yourself too much i guess because you might not never need it but i think it's worth having something even if it's just i don't know how anyone else does it but i tend to write a lot of stuff and then kind of literally go through it or pick the bits that i like and write them on the next page and kind of scrap everything else and then that that kind of gets surrounded by more stuff until maybe hopefully on the next page i'm taking the ones from that page and the ones from the next page that are good and then by the time you've gone through loads hopefully you've got all stuff that you like and pages of stuff that some of it will be awful that you've got to scrape out in case you find someone going through your notebook and thinking oh, yeah, don't, don't, don't read that but, <laughs> i used to always be strict and having three notebooks and I'd have one notebook, which was a notebook nobody was allowed to see ever. <laughs> and that was just any ideas, anything could go in there. The middle book was works in progress. So like I'd take bits from there and shape them into something which might be, I wouldn't mind if somebody found that notebook. <laughs> but would still be a bit embarrassed. But And then I'd have a, a finished notebook, which was like when I had to, I might have random bits from this second notebook that would then go into this is the one where like, these are my lyrics that are ready to use. Yeah. I don't do as much anymore. No, I think it's really mean when it's often people who've passed away, they'll release kind of notebooks and yeah, publish them and things. And you think, I really wouldn't want that. But that happens a lot, doesn't it? Stuff yeah. gets released that wasn't released for a reason. There's a lot of time. Like, like Prince has like just like hundreds of songs apparently. Um, yeah. And there's, I remember when after he died, there's a lot of talk about what was going to happen with them, if they were going to get released or not. He yeah, was and very it's, prolific. Mm, yeah, it's kind of sick. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Like what the artist would have wanted. Um, yeah, they're re-releasing the one of my favourite albums of Tom Petty's, Wildflowers. Mm. It was originally a double album that Rick Rubin, who was producing it, said this should be a single album because it's not good enough to be a double album. Now they're going to release the other album which as a big fan of that album i'd like to hear yeah but then you also think they didn't release it for i don't know when you're that good i guess it'll still be really good and this album of outtakes and stuff was as better than most bands you know a side yeah. so yeah and it's like i guess as a as a fan it's appreciating that 
you know, like that, yeah, this is stuff that they didn't release, and so not to compare each other the same way this, that they, yeah, thinking of it as, yeah, as, as what it is rather than expecting yeah. it to be the same as the first disc of Wildflowers. Uh, but I like it when people release selfishly and like from a production point of view, I think it's great when you hear demos, someone's demo of a tune and you can hear, you can hear what just a bit of production and a bit of thought because it sets, often sounds very similar. There's just the arrangements not quite right or the tempo or even they're just not pushing some bits or something. And then you hear what just a bit of work and a bit of production does and then it turns it, you can hear like dramatic differences in a song being pretty good to being the great song that you kind of know and love. So I love finding people's demos and stuff and hearing what, hearing what happened. Yeah, me too. I always love hearing that. And so it's so interesting to see the journey of a song really and see what yeah. different versions of it there were. Um, yeah. Um, great stuff. Uh, let's move into section three now, shall we? This is where I ask my guests to share with us a song that's meaningful to them in some way related to bereavement. And what I do here is I'll put the link for the song in the description. So if you watch me listening to this at home, uh, you're not familiar with the song, you can go and check it out and come back and we're going to have a lot of chat about it. So uh, what song did you choose for us, Josh? I chose Love and Happiness by Al Green. Yeah, it's a beautiful that song. Is, uh, it is. It's a beautiful song. And it was a song that a friend of mine who died at the start of the year, he used to do a really, really cool version of it. When I first met him, he, it was this kind of, it was this kind of, showstopper when he used to do it in bars and clubs and stuff and i played it with him a few times i played i played in bands with him a lot over the years and there's a lot of music that he turned me on to and a lot of music that i played with him that i don't know since he's died it's been peculiar just like he was a big fan of the stones and a big fan of little feet and it's just it's one of the first times in my life been, I've been fortunate not to have a huge amount of bereavement in my life mm. that listening to certain tunes that I used to love listening to have now got a kind of a, I can still listen to them and still enjoy listening to them and still enjoy enjoy that they remind me of him but they're just kind of you know they mean a different thing necessarily you don't necessarily just listen to them and enjoy them the way he used to think about other things. But that Al Green tune was one that he used to do. And I don't listen to Al Green a huge amount. Mm. So I don't run into that tune and get particularly upset by it. But it is a great tune that he was a great dude. The spirit of love and happiness. I thought it'd be nice to share a positive tune. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice one. Yeah, and I know, um, yeah, the person we're talking about here and uh, how how loved he was on the scene. Uh, I spoke to yeah, it's Will and, Newman who was the most. I mean, you probably did you know him from Milo and from the Primrose and stuff. I knew him a little bit. I didn't know him as well as a lot of people. I, yeah, like, I think we'd probably kick together every now and then. I'd like said said hello and had a, maybe had a, you know, a little chat over beer, but I never knew him well. Yeah, he was a great musician. He was the most. All of his friends, a lot of whom are musicians, they all agree he was just the most naturally there was just something naturally brilliant about him as a musician and he worked really hard at it so he was just another level kind of above everyone else and it was great playing with him because you were kind of elevated but you also had to you know 
you had to be really good or you had to better yourself mm. because he was just great. And it seemed like he had that thing that you see people on documentaries talking about like soul and magic and, you know, the kind of hocus pocus that you don't genuinely, I don't think someone could say that about me seriously. Do you know what I mean? Or other people that friends of ours, we agree. It's like, you do what you do and it's kind of this and that, but some, you know, you'd see him play and he was just naturally so good, but there was something soulful and magical about when he was playing and singing sometimes that was on another level from anyone else I've ever played with. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard like, um, you know, lots of our mutual friends, uh, I know we're close to them as well. So speak very highly of him. So yeah, I'm very sorry for your loss. Um, especially at such a difficult time, you know, like going into the pandemic, um, it's a difficult time for any bereavement, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was very sad. And it's been one of those things that kind of sinks in and it's just very sad. There's a lot, I've got a lot of tunes that he did that at some point I need to kind of work through and mix and get out there somehow. And I've, a couple of times during the lockdown, I've started listening to stuff and it's just, it's just not been, mm. I don't know. Is that songs that he recorded with you? That. Some stuff that he recorded with me, just some rehearsals and stuff that we did for gigs. And his, I've got some live gigs that he did. And, you know, the intention is to kind of get them all compiled onto something at some point, but don't know i found it not easy to kind of listen to a lot of the stuff at the moment yeah, so yeah well, the time will come for it. that's a really nice project to have and it'll be a really nice thing yeah um, there's some great completed. stuff there's some great, he was just such a talented talented fella it's the yeah. it's the talking in between tunes and stuff that's really hard listening to the playing is great and then there's just everyone chit-chatting in the studio in between tunes it's great to have and then also very hard to listen to so it'll get out there eventually. Yeah, I look forward to hearing it when it's out there. And yeah, thanks for sharing the song with us as well. It's a, it's a great song. And it's nice. I liked what you said about how it's, how you're not listening to that much Al Green otherwise. So like, this, you know, you kind of don't run into the song on a regular yeah. basis. Cause that's what, and it's so interesting as well, like you you're saying about, you know, songs can just completely change meaning for you based on the associations to people and things like this. Um, and I always think it must be hard for people who like if if you know, a big hit that you hear all the time everywhere does that for them where it's got like I mean, even when it's a nice a nice memory but it can bring up emotions in difficult places where you don't want them to when you're out, out and about and stuff like that. But I like that you said that you know that's not one that you you're going to hear all the time but you can kind of go to it when you need it. Yeah, I mean, I really messed up once. I used to DJ at weddings quite a lot, mm. and they didn't tell me or somehow I hadn't got the memo that I wasn't to play queen under any circumstances <laughs> because it was really emotional for the family who'd lost a family member that loved queen. And it was meant to have got to me under no circumstances playing the queen. And I didn't get that memo and I played don't stop me now or something. I don't know, a party <laughs> queen banger. And it was, there were tears and, Oh Harsh words. It wasn't. It wasn't good. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's a rough when one. I, after that, I checked. I said, "Is there anything that you <laughs> that you really Lesson don't want to hear?" 
remember we did a wedding a couple of years ago with a band where um, one of the couple got in touch with us and said, oh, um, the, the father of the bride um, has asked if we can pass on details of the band to him. He'd, you know, he'd like to speak to you about something. Is that all right? So we're like, yeah, it's fine, yeah. And then we got an email from the father of the bride. Oh, I'd like to make a request. Could you, is there a chance you could do this song for the wedding? So we're like, oh, you know, let us know what it is and we'll have a look at it and see you know, if, if we can, we will do. Um, and then it was a, it was a Kevmo song. So like, yeah, we like Kevmo and we're you know, kind of bluesy stuff. So like, it wasn't too, it wasn't too far out of our, you know, if it had been some avant-garde jazz piece, we'd probably be like, no, sorry. But you know, it was within our range. So we thought, all right, we'll start them a look at it. We started playing it. And we just about got there with it. And I was like, this song's about, about someone cheating on someone over and over again. <laughs> like, it doesn't really seem like, like a wedding song. But then we were like, well, maybe, you know, maybe they just love the song and, they're, you know, they're not thinking about it in terms of context. And that. So we discussed it quite a bit at, the, at practice with them. So we were like, if it's, if it's a really nice surprise, then we don't want to ruin it by asking the bride and groom about it. If it's like, this is their favourite song and it'd be great for them for the band, if the band played it as a surprise. But then we thought, what if it's a joke? What if it's like some kind of mean joke from the stepfather? <laughs> and I think, I, think, I think I got back to the, the, the stepfather and just said, I just want to double check with you. Like, you know this song's about affairs and stuff like that. And he's like, yeah, I thought it'd be funny. <laughs> so then we decided against playing it in the end. We thought, it's just, yeah, <laughs> we don't, don't want to cause any trouble. And he took it well, but he, yeah, he thought he was, he was just trying to cause a bit of trouble, really. You've got to be careful of those dudes sometimes. You do. You've got to be careful of <laughs> Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, thanks for joining me, George. It's been nice chatting to you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And hopefully we'll be back out on the scene again soon, doing some gigs. Uh, have you, have you got any gigs coming up? Did you, have you played the Grove recently since the... We played the Grove a couple of weeks ago, yeah, which yeah, is very strange. It was outdoor, outdoor gigs. It was outdoor. I mean, it's mm. one of the few places I think that can do it. It's all, it's totally outdoor, so weather permitting. They do it every Saturday and Sunday, I think. And it's been great. I mean, everyone's been, the crowd have been, you know, respecting the social distancing and all precautions that you can take in place. And it's been good so far uh, and it was great to play it was a lovely day and it sounded good and it was nice to see people out and about and it, was, it did feel strange but, yeah I mean, we're, we're doing i don't know when this will be coming out but weather permitting and you know covid permitting and everything we'll be doing because the reach arounds also do a credence clearwater revival tribute mm. band i think we're doing that on this Sunday, whatever the next Sunday is, the weather permitting, outside okay. the Grove, which should be fun as well, if we can remember the tunes. It's been a few months. Yeah. What was it like playing again for the first time? So that's why I'm quite a bit nervous about the idea. I mean, we've not played together in months now, which is the longest we've ever been without playing together. Yeah, same for us. I mean, um, it was the longest in 10 years that the four of us haven't played together. Yeah. We had a rehearsal, but it's still, I don't know, a lot of the tunes that we've played a lot, just the muscle memory kind of slipped back in and it, it was all pretty good actually we felt it was we've played worse when we've played more regularly which yeah. is weird and i felt like i was worried that because i hadn't been singing hardly at all apart from singing a bit around the house if i would have lost my voice at all but i think from resting my voice quite a lot and not smoking and things I sang pretty well. My voice held out fine. So it was fun. Good stuff. Yeah. Good. And it's a shame more places can't, I guess more places aren't set up to do it, but 
it's worked well down there and it's great because it's a great pub for gigs you know yeah. i've got a lot of regulars that come out for the music and it's nice it's nice old school there's something great about it's not you turn up and we did a lot of gigs for a long time where you get 20 minutes supporting someone or you get half an hour supporting someone at nine o'clock at night and that was great but if you're playing there we do like 245s at least and if you're taking your gear and you're getting to play it's really nice to be able to stretch out and play a lot of tunes and play yeah, a couple of covers maybe and it's nice playing for a long time yeah you've got tunes and you know and you I, like playing yeah i agree i was always the same once i got set up i wanted to play for as long as i could and it kind of you feel yeah. like you, you can really settle into it then you're not you're not clock watching i was hate those shark gigs where you're like if you, you just kind of really get into it and you're like oh wait Oh no, we've got finished now. Sorry, <laughs> I like when. Yeah. So yeah, we've had some, some epic ones at the Grove where we've gone on late, and it's uh, yeah, it's a great pub. I've got to get lighter. I always thought people were being, uh, I was dismissive of people who said, "Oh, I need to get a lighter guitar." And you hear about people who have <laughs> shoulder issues, but now I've been like, "Yeah, we play quite long gigs now, and all my guitars are really heavy." Yeah, <laughs> and I'm kind of thinking, I need to get a lighter guitar. Um, you know, I'm old now. <laughs> it has to be done prepare for the long gigs yeah yeah good stuff josh uh, yeah thanks a lot for joining me i'll tag you i'll tag the reach around page in here and i'll tag it's penthouse studio the penthouse recording studio Penthouse recording studio yeah i'll, I'll uh, tag that as well if you want to check out your studio if uh, great if you want to any recordings um yeah thanks a lot for your time i appreciate it and hopefully i'll see you again in the real world soon thanks enough for having me yeah see you around take care yeah cheers josh and uh, thanks for tuning in everyone i'll be back for another episode soon